Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Water Cooler, the world's most statistically average sports podcast. Brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals, featuring 421 shows with a stable of former players and local media personalities. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. My name is Ryan Saber, the most electrifying voice in sports information, and with me as always. What up? What up? It's me. It's me. It's Luke C, a.k.a. The Crockpot. What are we talking about today? Today's a great day. We got a guest, NFL super agent, Sam Tiger. We also are going to talk a little NFL free agency week two, I think, on the the heels. Uh, After our interview, we'll talk about that. And we're also going to talk the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. But before we get into that, a word from our sponsor. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA is in full swing, and March Madness is here. Last week went one-on-one and one with my two money lines. I had Georgia Tech and Maryland. I split those. Luckily, Georgia Tech was the smaller of the two, so I actually I won, I won some credits. I won some credits on that, and you had the, the golf pick. Who'd you take? Did you win, I think, is the important thing. Yeah, I won. Of course, I won. <laughs> he stays hot with the golf. You got any bets this week? No, I don't. I do. I'm going under 140 Syracuse versus Houston. Bro, that Syracuse zone in March is like undefeated. I watch Syracuse off and on all year long in ACC play. I mean, obviously, you and I live in ACC country now, even though we're Big Ten guys at heart. I see a lot of ACC basketball. And for some reason, man, that Syracuse zone just becomes un penetrable once the tournament starts so i'm taking the 140 under i don't know if they're gonna win because that houston squad looks pretty pretty good but we're going un under 140 syracuse versus houston so head to betonline.ag with your computer or mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sports book experts with us today, we have NFL agent Sam Tiger. It's an interesting time of the year with free agency. Uh, the draft's right around the corner. And we wanted to have you on to introduce, uh, you know, our fans to the business side of the game. And we also wanted to plug Beyond the Negotiation, your podcast with Higgins Success uh, on the Believe Podcast Network. So let's just start. Sam, how are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. I, who am I? Um, I've been in sports and entertainment for like 12 years now. I started out in the college football space, uh, doing events. We just had a couple funny stories that I can't disclose. Maybe I will someday on my own podcast, but started out in the events, marketing player relations side of things with corporate sports, working in college football at the big bowl games. I interned at some Super Bowls, some Final Fours, really loving March Madness right now. It's so good to have it back. Um, And then I transitioned into the agency space about six years ago and started out 
just in marketing. And then after that, someone like myself was like, I can't be limited to what I can and can't do. So I went ahead and got the certification to become an agent. And I've been in the space now, like I said, about six years. That's awesome. So just going through all that, that's just kind of how you figured out you wanted to be an agent was just being around it and, and decided you want to get out of marketing or it wasn't so much that because I absolutely love marketing and I do my players marketing now, mm. as well as I do have some clients actually in the baseball space where I just do their marketing because I'm not certified to negotiate their contracts. It was more so as a kid, you see the Jerry Maguire's ballers wasn't around then. And this was my show. <laughs> you see that. And I didn't know what other kind of areas there were. And I think, you know, we might get into this a bit later, but at that point, I thought you had to go to law school. I thought you had to do all of these different things that I didn't necessarily see kind of in my future. Not that I didn't want to go back to school for um, an additional degree, but it didn't seem right for me. So that's when I kind of dove into, I like events. I like marketing. I like being around people. And at that point, that's what put me into that space. And then at that point, in working in college football, I actually got to be one-on-one with a lot of the very high-profile schools. So your Alabamas, uh, Auburn, uh, Florida State, Houston, major, major schools, Georgia Tech, uh, Mississippi State actually when Dak was there. And at that point, I got to talk to the players and I, I kind of, I talked about this in my podcast, but there was kind of a, a moment that clicked for me and I was talking to a very high profile player. I won't say who it is. I won't say it in my podcast either, but he didn't like his agent and that because I was talking to him and I was working at the bowl game, sitting in the player suite. And he's like, I said, okay, so what's next? You know, you're going to go to training, you know, you're going to start training for pro day and the combine. And I said, how's your agency? Are you excited? And he was just like very uneasy about it. And I said, well, what's wrong? And he goes, I just, I just don't feel like I connect with them. They have a good reputation and X, Y, and Z. I just don't feel like, I don't know. He just was very uneasy about it. And at that point I said, there's something wrong here. And that's kind of what drove me into transitioning out of the uh, corporate, I call it, you know, even a lot of them are nonprofit, the bowl games, but that side of things into the player representation, whether it, it was in the marketing space to start and then on to being a certified agent. So is that is that something that's common that players, I mean, I guess it depends on the agent, but have like a, you know, level of uncomfort with, with them at, at the beginning or? Just, um, just specifically the one you, I would you're talking hope to. not. I mean, mine aren't. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. I say TMI, but um, I would hope not. But then again, Higgins and I had this in a previous podcast conversation. The business, it's tough. It really is. There's a lot of uh, change in representation, and it can. I can see why some agents make it more transactional because it's upsetting. And I mean, I personally really haven't had to deal with it too much, just a couple situations, but you invest a lot of time, you invest a lot of, you know, finances, a lot of different things into it, and then you're terminated and you don't understand why. So I can understand sometimes they might come off transactional. That's just not my approach with it. Cause that's something that I pride myself on is it's, it's a family thing. I don't want to just say, Hey, bye. When they retire, I really pride myself in working with my guys after they retire because they trust me. I have experience in doing different things. So I kind of, that's kind of one of my selling points as an agent. 
you know, one of the things I've spent a lot of time listening to beyond the negotiation, and that's actually how this whole interaction started. I just, I reached out to you out of the blue because I really enjoyed some of the conversation and I really encourage all of our fans to listen. But one of the episodes that I really was paying attention to was, was kind of an interaction between you and Higgins where you talked about, you know, kind of getting into becoming an agent and whether you needed a sports management background or not. Right. And I really enjoyed kind of that exchange. So I guess for all of our, our, our young lady and, and, and young, young men fans out there, what, what is your recommendation to folks who want to become an agent, how to go about it and maybe some things not to do? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I think every time I get asked that, I say, you have to look at how are you going to approach this? Um, it's one of those things where there are requirements. Uh, so for every, uh, for us as in the NFL, for the NFLPA, you either have to have a graduate degree or a law degree or some sort of, uh, you know, advanced degree or seven years of negotiating experience. If you don't have that, however, it's really hard sometimes to prove those seven years because they have to be adequate and X, Y, and Z. So that's the first component. And then the next is you have to pass the test. So, you know, the passing rate, I think is about 37, 38%. It's not that hard. You just have to prepare. And then we talk about that in our show. So a lot of people go in there. They think it's open CBA. It is, it's collective bargaining agreement plus uh, agent regulations, uh, drug policy, PCP, things like that. So you have to study or at least know where you're looking. And then, I mean, when you think about it at that point, so say you pass, hopefully you pass, or and you, these are things you have to think about before you even go and take the test. How are you going to get the finances to cover representing a player? That's a big part of it. Anybody can get this piece of paper, but you have to get the players then. And the players that are going to get drafted, the players that will sign on drafted, you got the same agents going after all of these people. So it becomes, you know, recruiting's huge. But in that space, we cover their, you know, we cover their training. We cover different things for them. So you have to have something to be able to kind of back that up, especially if you're going to do it alone. So for some people, you know, they, they say, well, how, I don't know how I could get X amount of money to kind of just have sitting there to be able to push out at one time. And I say, are you interested in practicing law? Maybe that's a way to do it. And then some other people work in jobs where they do marketing or things of that nature. So I think it just kind of depends. And I will say though, we're in a time where our players, ex- I don't want to say expect that's a bad word, but we have to, we succeed in doing a lot of different things. So the fact that I can provide marketing I do nonprofits for my players. I do events, contract negotiations, all of these different things. I got that through taking the business route, through taking the sports management route. And then at that point, I do take additional law and contract law uh, classes, whether it's Stanford, getting you know additional credentials, but I never intended to practice law. So that worked for me. So it's always what works for you. Yeah, you mentioned um, recruiting is very big. You know, it's, I, I imagine it's a very competitive space there. So uh, yeah. can you walk us through a little bit the process of recruiting a, a new client? Um, well, I'm sure they're all different, but. 
Are you talking like a, a college player or a player that's currently under NFL contract? Oh, that's a great question. Um, let's start with, let's do college. I'm, I'm interested once these guys are coming out, especially, okay. you know, you got different levels, right? You got the blue chip guys that, you know, are going first, second round, day one, day two. And then yes. you got the guys that, you know, may go at the end or undrafted. So I'm, I'm interested mm-hmm. to hear the differences there. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily think there are too, too many differences. I think that, I mean, there are agents that I know that are independent that go up against agencies that represent first round players. And those are usually your large agencies. They're your Drew Rosenhaus. They're your CAAs. They're, it's just, I mean, and, and I understand, I mean, come on, you can't even argue against that, but I think at least for me in particular, I look at it in the space of, okay, I usually am going after like mid to late priority free agent players because that becomes more realistic for me in someone that has is independent and I'm not with a big agency. I don't have a entertainer to back me. And some of these do, and, and that's fine. That's their choice. But for me, what does that look like? A lot of times it looks like a DM on social media. Sometimes I'll follow a player and then we'll start communicating that way. Uh, In certain schools, and I know we talked about this, there are certain states. uh, We have to be registered in the state to recruit. Um, And most of the states have some sort of a regulation. There are very few that don't. But sometimes you have to go through the school and then you have to go on a Zoom with people from the school. For most of the time, we we don't like that, to be honest with you, because it, it's it adds a lot to it. But you really just started relationship, and from my perspective, you start a relationship and you hope that that carries on until close to when they're coming out. Because at the end of somebody, I'll give an example: say I'm recruiting like a third, fourth rounder. And this is actually a very realistic situation for me. Having this relationship, building it, gone out to games, you know, he's going to be playing his senior year this year. So I'm hoping that the relationship will sustain that when the bigger agencies and I can see I see their, I see the follows, I see it happening. <laughs> I'm hoping that that relationship will will stand um, when the bigger agencies come in because they will. And, and, and unfortunately, that is what happens a lot. So it, it's kind of one of those things that it becomes a numbers game in recruiting. And it also, everyone has their different tactics to it. For me, it's really just being honest, checking up on the players. And I think some agents, Higgins and I talked about that, especially this year, we were kind of in a weird space where me in particular I didn't want to be texting and calling players when we didn't even know if they were going to have a season. So that ended up hurting me this year. So now how's everything going? Coming to your spring game. We're going to do this, this and that. So different mindset, but we also never had the pandemic like this before. So can't beat myself up too much. Oh, definitely not. Luke, I know you want to ask something about, uh, about NFL free agency. I think this is a good, a good segue to that. Yeah, so uh, we just recently had the uh, the legal tampering period, is what they mm-hmm. call it. And uh, I was just wondering what what that's like. Is it just, are you calling teams? Are they calling you? Is it just like, I know you don't, you said you don't negotiate contracts per se, but are you just 
on the phone just nonstop? Oh, I mean, I do. I, I think that was oh, okay. when you get certified in your particular um, with the the NFLPA, I negotiate their contracts. Now, okay, sometimes okay. There will be sometimes one player will have five agents. So gotcha. you don't have five agents calling. It really depends. I mean, it's one of those things that it, it depends on the player. I mean, free agency as a whole you know, not even discussing any periods. It is, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. I'll tell you that. And it's, you are calling, you are reaching out. And COVID has absolutely changed things in the sense that teams are looking at workout videos from players at their facilities. And it's just, it's been very strange lately, at least this, this time. And we are all, we're over the one-year mark of COVID. And like I said, last year, we didn't discuss this, and I don't think it's too big to discuss, but COVID completely changed everything. And I will say from like an agent perspective, the last year was absolutely wild, even though things seem normal. Because I remember... I was obviously, you know, watching games. We weren't really going to games. We weren't doing all of these things. We didn't go to pro day. And I was like, wow, like they did a really great job of making this seem like everything's great. And unfortunately it wasn't. I mean, we didn't have mini camps. Uh, We don't, we don't know if we're going to have that this year. Uh, We don't know if we're going to go into camp at 80 or 90, which is huge. And no combine this year. So, I mean, not just free agency, but I think just the whole process has completely changed from our perspective, even though it looks the same to fans and to the outside. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And, um, you know, that's kind of all I have to say there. It is like the wild, wild west. I'll tell you that. You talked about ballers. You talked about, you know, Jerry Maguire, uh, was the one that I grew up on. You know, the whole the help whole situ- me help you. That's right. That that is me. I am that Jerry. That is my Jerry. I love Bob Sugar. I love the character that Jay Moore played. He was such a shark. And I'm sure in your business you deal with a lot of individuals like that. Yes. You know, we talked about the, <laughs> we talked about the fun stuff of being an agent, right? Interacting with players, building those relationships, working with the teams. You know, what's your least favorite thing about being an agent? <sighs> I think it's the it's the expectations and the misconceptions. And that's a huge theme of our podcast is mix, mis, ugh, excuse me, misconceptions. The expectations are it's something in the sense that players, parents, people think that we can just pick up our phones and call a GM or someone and say, hey, you know, look at my player. And, and I mean, the player might, definitely probably deserves that chance, but we can't do that. We can't walk in and knock on the door and force them. And that's, that is the thing. It's, and social media, I think, has made this harder because you have fans saying it. And I went through this the past uh, free agency, you know, just with a player that was we were looking to get him back into the NFL. And I saw fans, you know, and it was just like, what's your agent doing? And I'm like, everything I possibly can, but then you can't really say that, you know? So I think it's, 
managing expectations and also knowing what you're doing and being very strong in your own uh, morals and conscious, but it, it's hard. It really is because we have to be on all the time too. And I think people don't realize that. And once again, reverting to the Jerry Maguire, it's super funny. I remember the first scene where, you know, he's not in the picture, but that that's that's kind of real too. Right. You know, when, when they're taking all the pictures of, of yeah, like on the red carpet and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's great. And I, I always say this, I would not be doing this if I didn't believe this is what I was supposed to be doing, but it takes time for this to kind of set it, you know, it takes time for the people around you to understand. Sometimes the phone's always up. I mean, and personally for me, you know, I've been on like dates where I'm like, the phone's always going to be up at that time. I had two phones. Uh, I couldn't do the two phone thing. So shout out to all the agents that do. And he was like, is that a joke? And I was like, no, not at all. Didn't work. So I think it's just, like I said, misconceptions and expectations that is hard. And it's, it's one of those things. I think there are a lot of careers that are like that, but in our world, once again, to revert back to that, what people see is not what really, what it is. It's not like that. There are moments, there are really cool moments. And I will give you that. There are moments where I'm on the sidelines and, you know, in a golf cart with, you know, somebody on the team and they're pulling up and I'm next to an owner. Like those are cool moments, but that is not the regular for most agents. And I don't say all because there are agents that, you know, walk into a facility and there it is, but that's not, that's not the norm. Yeah, it certainly gets sensationalized, right? I mean, you know, we talk about ballers, even though those guys aren't agents, they're money managers. You know, we talk about Jerry Maguire, Entourage, right? You got the Ari Gold, the super agent who, mm-hmm. you know, is basically as big of a star. I've never as... seen that show. Yeah. Right. But it's... I get really frustrated at those shows. And a couple of my friends have been like, you're like The Rock. And I was like, I don't even know what to say to that. But I guess I'm going to take that as a compliment. So that's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. I guess. So just, I guess the last question I had for you is what the actual process of like negotiating with teams, is it like a, just a back and forth, just nonstop, or is it just, you know, a couple calls? It I depends mean- on the contract. Um, mm-hmm. It really does. So there's not too much negotiating that goes into a rookie contract. Um, and I'll tell you this, and this can kind of say a lot of things when it goes into like a, a rookie contract. So a player's lucky to get to their second contract. We can be clear on that. Correct. Yeah. So let's talk about a first contract. A lot of agents, obviously we want to get them a signing bonus. It's just the players want a signing bonus. Of course we want to get them a signing bonus. Last year, one of my mentors called me right before the draft and was like, Sam, take anything you effing get. And I was like, that was my plan. <laughs> like, I'm not going to nickel and dime. Like, a, excuse me, like we're in a pandemic. <laughs> and in my mind, I was like, that was my mentality. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. You know, we had had teams calling for, I had a, a linebacker out of Indiana and we had teams calling and it just didn't work out. And it was one of those things where just, it was what it was. However, I saw, I knew people that, I respect that ended up kind of trying to kind of nickel and dime things in a sense. And when they went back, the offer was off the table. I probably would have done the same thing in another year. You know, you want to get the most and, and we're provided 
resources to reference. Okay. So last year, this is what the signing bonus average was for this position with this team. And you reference that and you want that because you don't want to be that agent that's like, oh yeah, I'm going to take, you know, a thousand dollars when the average was $8,000. However, we're, we're in a different situation. So, you know, I think for me, it's just keeping it relative um, and keeping it reasonable and it's big in communicating with your client. That's one of those things where there can be a situation where the client wants one thing. And I've gone through this. He wanted this. He wanted this amount. We wanted that amount. And I knew I could feel it if we don't if we don't go for what it is. We had already kind of gone back and forth a bit. And it usually doesn't take too long for the most part. And are we going to really do this for a, a small amount? We got, we checked off because I always go and I write down things that we want. Okay. Things that we're getting. And then we communicate it and we had checked off most of the boxes. And I said, this, we, we, you know, this is a great, great offer. You know, we really should just move forward. And it's that trust factor that kicks in there. So it doesn't take too long. I mean, I have not represented a Dak Prescott or anyone like that. So I don't know. I mean, hopefully someday, you know, you guys can have me back on and I can disclose something like that. But <laughs> for the most part, you know, I think that it depends on who you're working with. But I believe when the team wants the player, it moves pretty fast. That makes sense. Number one, we'll definitely have you back on. All right. I, I think that's that's a given because there's obviously a lot more to touch on. The, the one thing I, I do want to ask, you know, I think the NFL gets this reputation for being sort of like the most cutthroat business really in the world, right? Mm -hmm. In in the universe. <laughs> because I, I think they are, you know, especially how they deal with players, especially towards the end of their careers and those kind of things. So it was interesting when, when you were kind of talking through the discussions, do NFL teams, are they susceptible to those conversations about numbers and averages? And, you know, last year, this group of players averaged this, this kind of money, or are these guys always trying to squeeze you always trying to take advantage of opportunities, always trying to, you know, look, we're in a pandemic or, Hey, the salary cap went down to 182 million this year. Like, are they always trying to take advantage of situations or is it generally a data-driven business? Um, that's a good question. I would say, I mean, yes and no, to be honest with you. I think that it depends on, it depends on the situation. It depends on the player. And it depends on the team. It depends on who you're dealing with. I think that's Makes just sense. what it is. I think that there are a lot of teams that are just like that. And they are just looking to, I mean, let's, let's really, we don't have to go into this too much, but like the Taysom Hill thing, you know, like people were like, oh my God. And I was like, oh no, this is even one of my former players texted me. <laughs> was like, I'm so confused. Why is this a fake contract? And I literally texted him like this long essay. And he was like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know when Adam said that I was just like, I shook my head and like. People are about to lose their damn minds because this is not what it is. Until I but, figured out what was happening, I lost my damn mind. I'm like, they're yeah, paying that guy confusing. 140 million. Yeah. 
It's crazy. It is very confusing, and it's a way to just move around money to get more cap space right. because they were in the red. But I think there are. It just depends, and I know Makes that's sense. probably not the answer you're looking for, but it definitely depends. Um, and I think it. Unfortunately, I think more teams are on that business side of things like hey this is what it is versus the other but there are there are and there are teams out there that absolutely genuinely care about their players that are in the later stages of their careers um i can give you a good example one of my clients and won't say who the team is but he's played for six seven teams and one of them and it was only a one-year deal where he played there the gm there sat him down and was like hey what do you want to do next and he was like what like what what you know is it like do i want to stay here he was like no 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 like outside of football like what's next for you and at that point he's very business savvy and he said in I he played for all these different teams and worked with all these different people he's like that's the first time someone actually like took time to ask me what I like to do outside of football and knew that I'm entering the end of my career what's next and he's like I'll never forget that and I think that's that says a lot about this GM and you know I assume this team is going to continue to have a really 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 good standing and you know continue to thrive so it says a lot when you have that mentality where they're not just numbers they're people too that's a great story well sam tiger nfl super agent thank you for being on the water cooler we really appreciate it do me a favor Plug your social media, plug beyond negotiation, plug anything you want to plug before you before you get off. <laughs> I'm not good at that's something I need to work on. That was one of my New Year's resolutions was getting better at pushing myself out on social media and everything because I like to get off this phone. But uh, my Instagram is Sam Tiger underscore agent. Our podcast is beyond the negotiation. And it's not just agent talk. It's it's very like it's. It's a lot. It's a lot, but it's great. You definitely should tune in. Uh, anyone that's interested in sports or sports biz, uh, students, people looking to switch, or even people just looking to kind of get an insight on the agent side of things and hear us talk about different things. And I've got my clients on there, some really, some juicy ones actually. So, you know, give us a follow, listen, subscribe. So thank you so much for having me on as well. New episodes every Friday, right? Yes, every Friday, but <laughs> Sam's on the road a lot and Sam's the one that edits it. So ah. um, we do our best. Okay. Well, Sam Tiger, thank you. We appreciate you. you. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. It's a great interview there with Sam Tiger. Outstanding. We haven't had an interview in a while. Uh, the last interview we had was Brad Lambert. We had Chops. So if you guys haven't heard those interviews, we we recommend you go back and take a listen to those. Certainly check out Beyond the Negotiation with Sam and, and Higgins Success. It's a great podcast. But let's get into the second week of the NCAA tournament. Lots of upsets, right? Virginia, Iowa, Texas, Purdue, Ohio State lost to the 
Oral Roberts University and West Virginia. There is a 15, a 12, and two 11s already in the Sweet 16. What was the biggest surprise for you so far? This is wild, man. It kind of reminds me of the year that, uh, who was it, uh, George Mason and VCU both made the Final yeah. Four's 11 seeds. Uh, your boys that uh, that you picked against in the first round, uh, Loyola, still still cruising. Look, she still wasn't cruising. supposed to be there, bro. That was a last <laughs> second. That was a last minute audible. Sister Jean's in the building. Damn it. Knocking off the Big Ten champs after that as well. So uh, I think the biggest surprise, I mean, it's got to be Oral Roberts, right? Ohio State was a two seed. They were top five for, uh, you know, after they had gotten up there that for most of the the second half of the season there, they struggled down the down the close, but did, did OK in the Big Ten tournament. But uh, not just winning that one, but backing it up and then beating Florida, coming from behind to beat Florida in the, the second round to, to cash their ticket to the Sweet 16. Anytime a 15 gets there, it's uh, I think that's the eye opener about for you. Yeah, look, I think I got two. You know, you talked about Loyola, you know, Loyola, Chicago. They dominated Illinois. Well, one thing I looked up was uh, in the Ken Palm, they were ranked like ninth. So, like, it was kind of crazy that they had an eight seed to begin with because they had played so well during the year. That kid that plays center for them. He's so much fun to watch, dude. He's so much fun. With the mustache. Listen to me. It looks like there is, like, he does not look like a basketball player. It's almost like he's wearing a costume <laughs> to look he, like, or he's like purposely trying to make himself look like on F like he looks almost like an offensive lineman or something. You know what I mean? But that I can't believe he crazy. moves the as well as he like. He, he's he, like a ballerina, bro. He locked up the game, too, with the steal there. Yeah. In the last minute. He had hands. He had hands there at the end. I, I think they're they're a big one, but I'm going to go out on a line on a limb here. A team that actually won this afternoon, UCLA. No first four team has ever made it to the Sweet 16. And, you know, they beat Michigan State. They took Michigan State to overtime and beat them. I told you last week that I thought that Michigan State would have been the team that that surprised everybody and made it to the Sweet 16. But UCLA was able to take the road I thought Michigan State was. So I think they're, they're, they're a real big surprise. What does your final four look like? It's, it's in tatters. You know, I had um... – like Alabama's still alive, and uh, Gonzaga's still alive. And then on the other side, I had Illinois and Ohio State. So I got lost one in the first round and then one in the second round. Um, so that whole side is out. So my champs are still alive. Gonzaga yeah. won, won this afternoon to beat Oklahoma. So I'm still in good shape uh, moving forward but with, with the champ anyway. But uh, I'm pretty much out of the pool. So <laughs> I think as long as you got Gonzaga, you're good. I mean, I, look, with all the upsets and – and everything that we're seeing, I think the one thing that's pretty certain is that Gonzaga team is the number one overall seed for a reason. At this point, it's really just who's going to make it around them and who are they going to play in the in the championship. I could be wrong. They could trip up along the way, but uh, that team's pretty good. There's a lot of talent on that team. They're they're obviously well coached with uh, with Mark Few. So I've lost one team. I lost Illinois. I still got Bam, I still got the Zags, and I still got my 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 darling, my sweetheart, them Razorbacks. And hey, they, they were what down 14 in the first game to Colgate before yeah. uh they ended up winning by like 20 or some shit. And then the same thing happened to them last night where they were up 14 and then they were playing Texas Tech. Texas Tech scored 11 points in like yeah, a minute I had and 20 seconds. 
I had Texas Tech in in uh, one of my other my random pools where you just get assigned a team. So I I, I had my eye on that game for a little bit, and then it it became uh, you know the ending was nuts though. Yeah. So yes, I mean they ended up winning by two. That Arkansas team's fun. They got that Moody kid who's a freshman. They got a good team. We'll see. I was maybe a little bit too um, too optimistic on them, calling them a, a mix of the Warriors and the D'Antoni Phoenix. <laughs> phoenix sun team so uh not gonna lie i hadn't watched a whole bunch of uh arkansas basketball but that caught my attention and i almost hit you up on the first when i'm like oh they're down by 16 to colgate (laughs) i watched them play two games (laughs) on last weekend and and i and i based the whole season in the bracket on that so so we'll see what happens but you know looking forward to obviously uh, michigan's playing right now they're tied with lsu and there's a couple more uh, good games. Who else has to play tonight? Um, uh, for the rest of tonight, there's Maryland and Alabama, and then uh, USC and Kansas, and and Colorado, Florida State's on it's, right now. Uh, actually, yeah, live right now, and Florida State's up. So, some games still left, but uh, you know, we'll continue to talk about this as it progresses. Let's talk NFL free agency, and we just, like I said, had the interview with Sam Tiger, and she kind of broke down free agency and how that works. It's definitely interesting to hear the business side of the game. But, you know, with all that happening, there's there's all this movement going on in the NFL right now, and it's, and it's crazy. Some of the money that's getting thrown out, some of the teams that are doing things that they don't traditionally do. Uh, right now, you know, who's the team that you're looking at? I, I, I'm always hesitant to say one free agency okay so we're not going to say who who won free agency but what team do you think improved themselves the most over the first week of free agency that's an interesting question that could go a couple different ways but I'll, I'll just say i guess if the teams that i think improved the best i mean i think it's the patriots like i don't love all of their contracts and uh, and the signings necessarily but i kind of see what they're trying to do a little bit and uh you know i don't think there's any question that they're like the most improved team from the start of free agency till now they added the two tight ends Judon, the pass rusher and uh you know several other guys on the other side a couple linemen a couple receivers you know i like again i don't like necessarily the contracts i but uh you know who knows we'll see how they're structured and and how it works out for them down the line i definitely think that they were the team that improved the most um i, I i'm not necessarily saying that they had the best free agency period though what about you Okay, so who do you think had the best free agency period? I mean, I hate sounding like a homer, but like Andrew Barry did work. Uh, you know, with the, we talked about it last week with Johnson, and then uh, you know he gets a very, very favorable team deal with Troy Hill done. Ooh. They had they had Malik Jackson. I mean, there was there's don't forget about my boy. They brought back Malcolm Smith to start, who will be don't playing majority of the snaps. Boy. It's uh, that one's a little head scratching to me. Not to Anthony. Darius Leonard, it's not. Anthony Darius Walker. Leonard did a fucking video on Instagram about how much he's going to miss Anthony Walker. Yeah, I'm, I'm that's that's unfortunate that he lost his friend. But, um, you know, he's on another <laughs> team now. So, no, I yeah, look, I, I think that uh, I think that they probably had uh, one of one of the best one of the best halls, I would say, as far as value and uh, filling needs and, and, the, and the player and the talent that they added. I was screaming. Did you did you mention Malik Jackson? I did. I did. Yeah. Mention Malik I was a little too I was, excited about Anthony. Walker. I was real big on him. I wanted him last year. If you remember, and he didn't have a great year in Philly. 
he only had 33 total pressures, three sacks down from, from what had been his averages, but uh, you know, he's 31 years old. So I think it's, he's, he'll be a great rotational piece for us. So yeah, I'm on a one-year deal mix in there with, with Richardson and, and Billings and uh, the kid we drafted last year from Missouri, uh, Elliot. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like it. I like I like what, uh, what they did. Yeah. Had a very clear plan. Yeah, look, I think you, you talked about New England. I mean, just from the sheer volume, uh, that's a team that traditionally doesn't get buck wild in free agency. Buck wild uh, doesn't go crazy in free agency, and they certainly they certainly did. Some of the signings, to your point, I didn't love. Some of them I, I liked a lot. I like both the tight ends. I like the Judon. You know, I just they got all the guys coming back that that opted out like it, that, that team's just going to look really different. They still don't have the quarterback situation figured out. So I'm interested to see if there's some kind of a trade-up situation in the draft. I don't know if there's going to be right. Cause who are the teams that you're going to be able to trade up with Miami, need quarterbacks Miami, too. Miami ain't letting new England come up there. The jets ain't letting new England come up there. Maybe Atlanta. I don't know. Somebody said it on ESPN today, basically eights the floor, right? Where Carolina currently sits is probably the, f- the floor for where those four quarterbacks are going to be at. So I don't know if New England's going to be able to have a chance. So a lot of what they're doing could be for not a little bit. Not to say that I don't have a lot of faith in Cam. You know, Cam maybe with a good offseason and, you know, being in the system has an opportunity to go out and, and, and be, you know, close to what he was before. Uh, but I saw him throw a lot of throw a lot of bouncers last year. So and the year before, to be honest. So we'll see. I, look, I think the team that, that did the best and they really didn't sign any free agents. They just re-signed all their guys. And I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay going out, keeping Godwin, keeping Shaq Barrett, keeping Levante David, keeping Gronk. Look, sometimes the best move is to not let other teams take your good players and they'd made the right moves, made the right signings. Their hall of fame quarterback uh, was able to move some money around to enable them to bring Shaq Barrett back. So I would say that I think when you look at free agency and how it's panned out so far, just the fact that Tampa Bay was able to maneuver and not lose because you and I had this, we, we talked about this not too long ago where we thought they were going to lose all three of them, there was potential for them to lose all three of those guys, right? Levante, David, Shaq Barrett, and Godwin, they were able, able to keep them. So I like that. So let's talk specifics. You know, we've talked about John Johnson, JJ3, talked about some other guys. If you had to pinpoint the one guy, maybe non-Browns, right? What's the best signing so far in your mind? Well, I think to me it comes down to two. I'll mention that this first one is uh, Kansas City Chiefs signed Kyle Long coming back out of retirement. He sat out uh, to keep. Yeah, last year was he, he retired, so he he didn't play last year. They signed him to a one year. I think it was three point five million dollar deal. That one comes with a caveat since he did miss a year, so we'll see how it ends up. But I think the best overall value signing was uh, Hassan Reddick with the uh, the Panthers. You know, we killed him on uh, last week's show because they had signed. Justifiably and, and so. Deservedly so. You know, signing Cam Irving and Pat Elfline. And I'm not going to say they quite made up for it here, but that's a great deal. One year, six million up to eight. He had 12 and a half sacks last year. That's not who he is. Five of them came in uh, one game versus the Giants. 
you know, he, <laughs> so he's, he's not a guy that's going to, he's not going to like, not going to stuff the stat sheet on the sack thing. He's, he's a great pass rusher and to get him on a, on a deal like that is, is pretty good. And maybe they can, it works out and they see him, you know, they see extending him for an extra or, you know, beyond this year after this cap hurt year. So, but I think that was the best value deal of uh, after the initial rush of free agency. My, my probably favorite signing was the Samuel Curtis Samuel to Washington. I, I thought they, they overpaid for him a little bit. What was the money on that? It was, I think they gave, and I think it was 10 years or uh, 10 million. I mean, 10 million a year, you know, maybe they overpaid for him a little bit. I really liked that Curtis Samuel signing, but the one that I think was the absolute best, and it's just, it's it's total, it's a total New England situation. I text you about this. Kyle Van Noy, right? New England signs Kyle Van Noy for two years, $13 million. So they're bringing a guy back that can be the anchor on their defense. He knows the defensive scheme. He's won championships with them. He still has tread left on the tire. But what makes that deal even better, right? They're paying, they're only paying him six and a half million dollars a year. Oh, by the way, he went to Miami last year in free agency and signed like a $56 million deal and Miami couldn't afford him. So they cut him and New England's getting a fourth round compensatory pick for him too. So not only does New England get an anchor of their defense back, probably the, their, their, their te- one of their team captains, a guy that they've won Super Bowls with and they get him for way less than they would have had to have signed him for last year, and they get a fourth-round draft pick for it. To me, I feel like that is just, from a value standpoint, all the way around the best signing. Yeah, I, I see I see what you're saying. He took a step back, but with, with Miami, he took a step back. But that is not uncommon, okay? As a guy that had a front-row seat to this, when uh, Jamie Collins came over from uh, oh, yeah. We Traded For Him, and then went back him. and made the Pro Bowl. And then <laughs> went back and was really bad in Cleveland and went back and was really good. So that, that maybe this just adds to, to, you know, your point that this is just an incredible sign. But he did take a step back. But think about that. If you're the Patriots, I don't think that, uh, you know, that concerns you because they're going to know how to maximize them. But you mentioned Curtis Samuel. I, I really like what they did this offseason, too. You know, added Fitzpatrick on the one-year deal. And you mentioned Curtis Samuel was three years, 34 and a half. And uh, William Jackson, three years at 42 million, 26 million guaranteed, maybe a little on the heavy side. I, you were a William Jackson guy, right? I was I was in on Jackson. I was thinking closer to like 10 million a year. Um, but, you know, that's that's not uh, not a, not what he ended up getting. So, um, yeah, I did like I do like what they're doing. And that defense, you know, if it, we, we know that defense year over year is pretty volatile, it's not real, you know, things like turnovers and sacks and stuff like that aren't sticky year to year. But if they're able to uh, look a little bit like last year, they should be able to overcome the, uh, you know, the mistakes that, that Fitz is going to make because, you know, he's going to chuck it. All right, quick. Don't even think about it. Rank the NFC quarterbacks right now. Go. Dak. Fitz. Jones. Who am I missing? Jalen. that's it that's it i I mean yeah right i mean they they signed the guy that gives them he's the second best quarterback in the division that's exactly how i would have ranked them which is crazy right they they give him 10 million dollars you know he's he's not gonna lose them games he's not gonna go out there i mean he wins sometimes fits magic look I, i like you're right i like what washington did in general we we've talked a lot of positive 
What do you think is the worst signing? I'm not even gonna, we're not even go down the road of worst teams. Let's just talk about the maybe one or two guys that you thought were the worst signings for teams. The Leonard Foy deal was pretty pretty head scratching to me. Uh, he, yes. he got four years, sixty four million, thirty two and a half, and I think that they were doing it the correct way. You know, the last two years where they they brought in um, the kid that went to Florida and played in, in Atlanta. Um, oh my God, what's his name? The pass rusher. I can't remember his name, but he he comes in and plays next to Aaron Donald, gets ten sacks, and then then you know. He leaves for a bigger deal the next year. They do the same thing with Leonard Floyd. Bring him in. He has a great year. Okay. He's still got another year left on his deal. Let him play it out. And then just move on to the next one because they're playing next to fucking Aaron Donald. Instead, they give him $64 million, 32 and a half guaranteed. A guy that had never really been that great. And we saw a few of those deals. You know, the, the Denver signed Ronald Darby to, uh, you know, three years, $30 million. But but that one that one really stuck out to me. But uh, I, think, I think the worst was... And this is not even a, a crush at the player because I really like the player. It's Kenyon Drake, two years, 14 million, 11 guaranteed. Like, what the fuck are you doing, Gruden? You drafted a running back in the first round like two years ago. And <laughs> you bring in Drake, who I like as a player. I think, you know, I think that, uh, you know, 7 million for a starting running back is great. 7 million for a guy that you're probably going to flex him out of the backfield quite a bit. He's not going to get the touches that he should with splitting that 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 backfield with um surrounding backs name josh, josh jacobs josh, josh jacobs so uh so i don't know i just and, and just them in general but uh getting rid of their entire we're not going to go down we're not going to go down it with uh with with the raiders but um yeah those were the two that that really stuck out to me i had leonard floyd on that list for sure juju man like i don't know i i, I just i've been hearing a lot of people kind of i think people are romanticizing Juju's actual ability. He's he's kind of slow. I think that Pittsburgh's got a lot of problems and bringing back that guy just so he doesn't sign with Baltimore. That's basically why they brought him back. I th- I think at least this is just my speculation. I think bringing him back, what they give him 8 million or something, which it's not t- it's not a terrible deal. I just that team needs to start focusing on well, you know what? No, they don't need. I, I'm glad they did it, actually. You know, I'm glad they still got Ben Roethlisberger on the books. I'm glad they're paying Juju. I'm glad they're going to have to, you know, that they're, they're going to continue to put themselves in salary cap hell. So, but I think that was a terrible signing. But, yo, I think the worst one was Bud Dupree. The Titans, five years, up to $85 million on that deal. <sighs> a lot of his stats have to do with the fact that playing – next to uh, TJ Watts, uh, you know, and, and maybe I'm wrong, right? Like maybe TJ Watts going to be a bum next year and Bud Dupree is going to fall out in, in Tennessee. I don't right? I, I seen the look on your face. The fans aren't going to see the video, but you feel the same way I do. I don't know. That's just, that feels like, that feels like a lot of money. Uh, I thought that, and this is one of your guys, the defensive end from the Saints. Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson, you know, they gave him like 60 million. Too rich for me. I liked him. I, that was a little too rich for me. I thought that that entire pass rusher market just got a little, got a little out of hand. Actually, funny, we just talked about the Raiders, but they actually ended up with the best deal with Ngakwe at two for 26. So, right, which we were talking last week on basically how they traded him for, uh, for, um, Aguilar. Aguilar. So, 
there's still a lot of guys left out there. Last week, you asked me a question. I didn't answer it. You asked me what about Clowney, and we kind of started talking about something else. He hasn't signed, right? Mm-mm. I mean, shit. I'll take Clowney. What we offer? What we offer him last year? Twelve million? One year? Twelve million? I think was the deal. Um, I mean, if you can yeah, bring, I think if, I think if, they were willing to go a little bit higher. I think it was a little bit more than that, but but yeah, I think that's what it was. If you can bring Clowney in for one year for ten, twelve million, would you do it? At uh, twelve, probably not. I, I was thinking more like eight, but you know, he's a guy that likes to maximize his dollar. He's going to wait as long as possible. He's not in any rush to sign anywhere, uh, and that's not a criticism. Okay, no, get, I, get your I, money, I do what you can. Um, but uh, he just he wasn't very good, and uh, last year, so that I don't know that kind of stuff. Just you know, if you can get him for eight million for one year, fine. I, I mean, you're not going to make a big investment in him anyway. I think he's probably a guy that's going to play the rest of his career on those one and two year deals anyway. So, yeah, I mean, like like an Indomitian Sue. Yeah, just like that. Only not as good, not as good a football player. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think twelve is too much. I I'd like it right around eight. Anything with Conley? You know, I know the Browns were talking. Did they ever ultimately sign Conley? Is that still happening? Or, no. And you're, no, no. As I, I, I mean. They have. They haven't signed him as of yet. The last I had heard was he was. Uh, he's looking for some more money. Well, the Browns certainly need more help in the secondary. I- I'm not confident. Why not bring back Money Mitch? He. They didn't pay him that much. Houston only paid him like, like what four or five million a year, even if that. Well, I think they had. They had. Uh, they had their eyes on guys like Hill. Which and, they got, uh, which was a great right. signing, Youngstown and, guy, right? Yeah, Brian Poole. Uh, they, so they, you know, they had their eyes on, and, and they were in contact with several slot corners. So, and, and to be honest with you, nothing wrong with Mitch. Um, you know, I like Mitch as a player, but these guys are just a little bit, a little bit younger, a little bit better. They're having, they got a lot of faith in Grady Williams. I think. I don't think they do. You think I they're going to draft a corner in the first two rounds? I think they're going to sign one. Um, oh, you think I, they're still going to sign somebody? And I, I think they're going to add somebody else. I think they, I think they view Greedy as a complete. If he comes back, if he comes back at all, then that's a that's a bonus. I don't think they, I don't think they have any kind of uh, expectation for him at all. It's you know it's really interesting. They did really good in free agency, and now it's almost like they're in a position which is where you want to be, where best available every time. There's there's areas of need, right? I I I'm I don't want to get a little I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but they're almost in position where they can just kind of draft best available, all the way down the board. Yeah, there's there's some holes, but I I don't think you want to, especially if you're if you're picking, you know, in the back half of the first, you know, you're I don't think you really should be filling drafting for need anyway. I'd love to, I'd love for them to trade out at twenty six. I, I I just especially if somebody gets hot for. You know, let's you know, Mac Jones isn't going to slip. I've I've seen some mocks where he slides. That ain't going to happen. But maybe somebody gets hot for, you know, Kyle Trask or something along those lines. I don't know. I, I would love for them to be able to trade out of twenty six. Mac Jones wouldn't. should slip. That's correct. He will. I I am going to quote my favorite co-host. He is going to get a GM fired. <laughs> so in the coming also, weeks, I think, I think you're a little too rough on Juju, man. 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns as a 22-year-old. And I understand he had Antonio Brown on the other side, and he has been underwhelming as a number one pass catcher, number Since. one option. 
that is look that is fair and i don't i don't want him to be my number one pass catcher you know he had talked with baltimore and kc i think he would have been absolute dynamite in kc he's better than sammy watkins has ever dreamed of being and uh he would have killed it there as their as their wide receiver two and third passing option i think you could be dynamite in kansas city out there running around then why isn't watkins why isn't uh the kid from georgia sammy watkins had a few big games getting paid 14 million a year it's getting paid like 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 three million per touchdown all right so in the coming weeks we're, we're hot and heavy in the nfl offseason we, we may touch on free agency a little bit more i doubt it at this point forward it's really going to be draft conversations i know i've been promising it for the last few weeks there there will be a baseball preview coming a, a mlb season preview i promise that next week for our motorsports fans out there we still got to line this up but they they were interested luke's got two buddies that love formula one the formula one season starts i don't know in the next couple weeks so we're going to have them on and we're going to talk a little uh formula one for the high-end racing fans out there don't forget at wc sports pod facebook twitter instagram luke what are your uh social media handles at 330 Luke on Twitter and at Lukey TC on Instagram. I am Mr. Sabretooth everywhere. We are now available on all your favorite streaming platforms, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you consume podcasts, you can find us. We are also available on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-B. With that, we love you. We want to thank Sam Tiger for being on the show and awesome, enjoy man. your lives. Andrew Barry the GOAT. Somebody suck, man. Man. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube